Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. So for me, one of the core, there's actually were two key words kind of to the essence of a lot of my philosophy. And one is just, it's, it's really simple. It's consistency. But it's making commitments to things that you can do every day and every week um, that are sustainable. So I'm interested in sustainable change, not just like... So consistency. So just committing. We all overcommit. I'm going to make 30 cold calls today. I'm going to send a thousand emails today. I'm going to reach out to 20 people in my network tomorrow. No, no, you're not. And if you are, you can't do that every day. Right. How about if you just do five? What if you just do one? What if you just do 10? So for me, it's about consistency, building habits, um, pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone. And it's really like consistency over a period of time. Mm-hmm. doing the things that we might tend to avoid or that we're kind of just up and down about. One of the underarching principles. It's not sexy at all, but it's one of the most important things that I have found for folks that are particularly successful. Too. What's up, guys? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazny. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine is about two things. Number one, people are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world, doing both of these despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews of world-class speakers and business leaders showcasing their origin story, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now, so it can help you step into your greatness within your own life, business, and career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years in entrepreneurship as a CEO to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation and messages, and I'm stoked to have you guys here. Guys, welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazadeh, and boy, do we have a special guest with you today. My friend, mi amigo, mi compadre, Tom Batchelder. Excuse me, Tom Batchelder. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, Darius. Thanks for having me. Quite a production you have going on here. It's great. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to I'm trying to do things a little differently here. Um, do you mind if I do a little bit of housekeeping? Please. For so for you guys that have seen the show, which which I know it's many of you, um, this is the greatness machine, and we are all about people who are creating greatness in the world, especially those who are living their passions. We have Hannah, my assistant on standby here today, and she'll be here to facilitate the live stream. So with that said, guys, start a watch party, uh, ask us questions. We've we've gotten so lucky to get Tom here. Uh, to talk about all the things in the world that he's so knowledgeable about, which there are many. And um, with that said, guys, I'm so excited. I want to give you a little bit of background on, on Tom. Uh, we've known each other for, for gosh, I guess, since old, old school EO days, at least over a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, by the way, uh, I was talking to one of your old forum mates, Mark Friedler, today. He told me he's how huh. you know. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, but you guys, Tom is a serial entrepreneur. He's owner and and sales expert at selling selling 180. He's a multi-time multi-time best-selling author and his new book Selling 180 is out there teaching people all these best practices 
and how do you build sales in your business? And I will tell you, and I can't say this about all my guests, but I have actually hired Tom before. And, and, I'm, and I'm kind of a stickler for, for hiring people to do sales trainings and sales work with my team. And I was, I was blown away by, by Tom. And I'm going to tell you the one thing that you, you did that was really surprising to me. Do you mind if I go there? Please go. So probably like um, six years ago, I think that's when, we, when, we, when you worked with, uh, with my team. I had, I had a B2B uh, mortgage correspondent sales team, which most of you are like, what does that even mean? Um, but what it means is my guys are out there working with banks and credit unions and they're, you know, it's, you're working with the boards of the banks. And a lot of these people are pretty experienced salespeople. And um, I was like talking to my business partner, Ali, and I said, hey, I want to bring in someone to, do, to work with our team for our strategic. And and we have uh, Tom and I have a mutual friend, Anton. And I said, hey, um, who do you think I should bring in? And Anton's like, oh, have you talked to, t- to Tom? Batchelder. I said, you know, like we know each other three EO, like acquaintances, but no, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't talked to him. So I, I came, I think I came to San Francisco. We met in San Francisco and, and, uh, and Tom's like, look, like, like it was, it wasn't like, it wasn't a negative thing, but it was like, you know, like if it's not the right fit, we're not working together. And it was almost like, and, and cause he, cause I basically was like, Hey, would you mind coming in for one day to work with my team? And you're like, I don't really do that. Because there's no reason for me to come and do that and basically take your money and you not get results. Because when I work with sales teams, it, it's there's no one and done. This is an ongoing thing, and and so it doesn't even make sense. And I don't want to, you know, essentially you're like I don't want to take your money. Right. And and I think I twisted your arm a little bit and was like, yeah, let's why don't we have you come in a little bit and we'll and we'll start from there. But it, it I was so impressed with that, and I didn't I never told you that till now. I was so impressed with that. Because I said that because what that meant to me was you cared more about the results than about taking money from somebody, which is very rare in business and speaks to high integrity as far as I'm concerned. So yeah. anyway, thank you for that, man. That was awesome. That was a really good sure marker. So t- tell me about that. Practicing why, why, what I preach. That's great. Thank it, you that. Yeah. Dig into that. Why did you what, like what is it? What was it that caused you that day to say that? Obviously, there was results in mind. But what is your philosophy around working with sales companies and sales teams, being a sales expert, spending your career, you know, teaching people how to influence those around them to get to increase their business. What that day, what was it that made you feel like, Hey, this is how I do it. This is why I do it. I, I have this guiding principle that I called high, that I call high intent selling. So that despite the fact that I want your money and that if you pay me, then I can pay for my kids private school. And of course, selfishly, like I want to close a deal. I don't want to close a deal more than I want to really do good work and really make sure that I'm the right person to do the work. So I have to just basically force myself and convince myself um, to focus on high intent selling and to be super clear about what I do, what I'm good at, and where I'm the best fit. And if you want a one and done person to show up and like do a one hour, there's plenty of folks that can do that, right? It isn't actually kind of the thing that I do best. And so it's really just kind of anchoring into what I do best my commitment is to have an impact on sustainable change, not just entertain people. Um, and I also find from a from a negotiation standpoint and a sales standpoint, it's also a good strategy because uh, it creates a certain level of detachment. So what is unattractive in sales and dating and life <laughs> is someone who just appears a little needy and a little eager, right? And you can smell that stuff out a mile away. Mm-hmm. So with someone like you in particular, I have to be on my game and it can't be fake it has to be real 
but I have to really make sure that I don't appear as if I'm needy, that I don't actually need your business. Now, it needs to be not like a technique and a move because you could also smell that out too, right? So it has to be authentic and real. So a lot of it is just high intense selling, knowing where I do my best work, making sure that I'm not sounding needy. Um, and actually that makes me more attractive and, and I can come from a more of a position of strength, especially with a powerhouse like you. Yeah, no, it, it well, it worked. Um, and it, and, and it worked because to your point, especially those of you, and I, I'm going to tell you guys, start a watch party for this. If you're listening, we got, we got some friends that I'm seeing that are popping on uh, start a watch party. Cause this is one of those things where most people don't get to spend time with a Tom Batchelder. I mean, it's just, it's one of those rare moments where you get to really pick the brain of a, of a professional and, and ABC always be closing. We're all selling out there. Um, whether you are in a sales position or you're trying to move up in your career or you're trying to convince someone that you care about to do something that you want them to do, we're all selling. So um, I always say life is sales and sales is life. Um, with that said, yeah, um, I I think that there's a lot of truth to that where you, you put yourself on a pedestal when you're like, I don't need the business, you know, and I don't want the business to your point. If I can't give you, it can't be mutual value, right? Like you're getting money for your time. Um, and you want value to be created in as part of that. And so let me ask you a question because right now there's a lot of businesses out there going through a pretty tumultuous time, right? We got some people that are the winners of the COVID world and we got some people that are the losers and we got a lot of in-betweeners who are trying to figure it out. And what I find is, is that when that happens, the salespeople, the sales team, the product, all that stuff kind of gets wobbly. What are you seeing? What are you promoting? What are you support? How are you supporting people with this? For those that are wobbly, the thing that I'm most helping them with is focus. So what happens is when we get in scarcity mindset, we start scrambling and then all of a sudden going after whatever scraps we can find. And it's actually kind of the beginning of the end. And so really focusing in on where is our sweet spot? Where's our ideal client? Or we have to pivot and find a new ideal client in a new sweet spot in this moment and get really focused. This is where we do our best work. This is where we can have the most amount of influence. This is our best chance of closing business and staying really focused on a sweet spot or finding a new one and being really careful about getting too scattered, freaked out. Uh, that's the beginning of the end. So a lot of it is like just it's actually more focused, not less. That's the first thing that I would say. And a lot of it is really, it's almost all head stuff. When we're selling from a place of scarcity and kind of lack of groundedness, we're not very good. And so I'm also actually really encouraging people to, to spend, if they're having a bad day, don't try to sell. Give yourself the day off, give yourself the hour off. Don't when you're like in a scrambling, having a rough day, start firing off a whole bunch of really crappy emails to prospects. Um, so being really diligent about managing your time and energy, um, staying focused, um, less is actually more right now in a number of ways. And just like keeping your head only really actively be selling when you can really be in the right mindset. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. Yeah. So, so it's funny you're saying that. And, and I remembered you had some really, really interesting ways you approach sales through email and and through, you know, the, the prospecting and, and just the, some really like just well thought out strategic ways of appro approaching clients. And, and going back to what you just said a moment ago, though, I 
so I had this moment in 2000 and I want to say eight or nine where like, I, I basically, I, I don't love sales. My brother loves sales. Uh, I mean, he loves sales. I like sales. He loves sales. And there's a difference. I love scale. He loves sale. Mm-hmm. Right. So I like to scale the business. He likes to scale the sale. And so um, he was my partner and literally I brought him in to be my business partner. Cause I'm like, you handle the sales. I want to go re- build the business. Is that cool? And so we did that, and that was 2003 until 2008, five years. I was off the pipeline. And then the business was hurting so badly because we were subprime mortgage lenders. So we were getting crushed so badly. That, like, literally, we hadn't taken a paycheck in like a year and a half. We was like, hey, dude, our business is small, and you have to sell again. Like, mm-hmm. literally, you got to get back on the pipeline. And so I was kind of bummed and, and because I didn't want to, because I didn't love sales, right? So I was doing something I didn't necessarily love, but I knew I had to. And something happened, though, that my first day, day I got back on the pipeline. Like I said, I like sales. And I'm actually pretty good at sales. But I'm, I'm not uh, – I'm not. my brother's like a savant at sales. And so I got back on the pipeline. And I got – and my business was doing crappy. We were getting crushed. And I made a couple sales that day. And I felt good. I got a shot of endorphins in my body. Like mm-hmm. I felt that like like that rush of of getting a couple good ones under the belt. Right. And um, and I learned something that when I'm not doing well, I got to go for easy wins. Right. And, and, and in baseball, they call that a slump buster. Right. So. Mm-hmm. What, <laughs> so what in other parts of life, I think they call it a slump buster, too. But what, like, what do you like? So if you're managing a group of people and their heads aren't in the right place, how do you how do you give them a slump buster? How do you get them like how do you get the team <laughs> re-centered and refocused? if they know that's going to be a long slog, like what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, kind of to the slump or using a baseball analogy, looking for singles and doubles versus triples and home runs. Right. So um, just looking for momentum. So a lot of it, like that, that was an example of just some positive momentum and some leading indicators to keep you engaged. So keeping everybody engaged yourself or your team is what it's all about. So looking for ways to celebrate singles and doubles, smaller deals, um, even when we're used to celebrating kind of the bigger deals. So celebrating the singles and doubles and also finding ways to celebrate the leading indicators. So the things in which we're going to do that are going to lead to business. It's like, oh, well, we've never done a good job of creating content and writing a blog or doing a, an event. Um, but we did that. We created content. We did a blog. We did an event. Um, it's like doing all the little things that people can do to get better at, use this moment in time that are going to be paying off in the future. So celebrating kind of leading indicators, um, taking this moment in time, all the people that I work with within sales, especially in professional services, none of them were tech savvy enough, especially those over the age of 35. And all of them now, six months later, are much more tech savvy than ever before. They all have taken this moment in time to leverage technology to more effectively sell. So my whole thing is also like, hey, this may be a little bit of a rough year, but let's make sure that we're learning new tools and techniques and habits so that we can hit the ground running in 2021 and really make up for, for lost time and energy. Uh, so, so smart. And I want to talk about that. And say, so we got a couple friends on uh, over here saying hi. So we got uh, my buddy, Joshua Morris at TMS. What's up, Joshua? Thank you for joining us, uh, reaching out, dropping, dropping some knowledge. And, uh, and our friend, Mark Friedler, EO alum, <clears throat> F, Mark. The world, F the world. He dropped an FTW. Uh, Mark asked a question though. Um, what tools do you like that support your workflow? Oh, well, I am masterful at delegating. 
So <laughs> all of my tools are human tools. So I, uh, Tim Ferriss is one of my mentors from uh, 15 years ago. And I really zeroed in on what are the things um, that, that I want to delegate out and hire other people to do for me. And so really for me, my workflow is all about having a team around me, delegating the tasks, um, keeping the team focused and motivated, effectively communicating what needs to happen. So a lot of my workflow is really about managing a team and really um, consistently and vigilantly delegating um, out the things that I don't do well. And so um, are you are you using like a combination of like full-time staff, uh, part-time contractors? How do you how do you think of that? So combination, uh, full-time staff, part-time contractors, that's right. So, you know, one person who's kind of always available for me and then everything else contracted out kind of, you know, virtual and project work. And it's so easy these days to get really high-level people, not expensive, to do a lot of the little things and the admin things and all the stuff that, sure, I could do it. Yes, I could do it. But I prefer to play with my kids and go coach uh, sports or exercise instead of spending an hour working on that particular kind of tech tool. So um, a combination of those things. Yes. Yeah. It's funny. So going back to what you said before around the technology tool. So I'm, I'm a, I'm on the cusp. I'm 42. Um, so I'm young enough where I, and I'm kind of an early adopter. So I happen to, you know, I, I tend to be lend land on the side of understanding and using technology more than probably the average person. Um, but I had gotten in my last business, you know, the one that, that you had done work for, it grew quite quite big. We grew up to almost a thousand employees. And when you get to that size, like you're on doing, I mean, I'm not even like checking my own calendar at that point, right? Like, like, like literally, I, like literally, I, I, I like you're essentially barely, you don't, you don't even have to get up to go get water for yourself if you don't want to, right. which I did. I still did get my own water, but, but like your time is super valuable because you have a responsibility to a big organization. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply & Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million-dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com 
slash Darius. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stopped me from fully enjoying the little things in life, from canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now, I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. And so I was detached from a lot of the technology tools that are being created until I, I left that, that position almost a year ago. And then I didn't really do much for a few months. And then I launched my book. And then I was like a, a, a company of one, <laughs> me, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like I didn't even have an executive assistant anymore, which, you know, boohoo for Darius, but and I and I didn't have a business really, so I was like, "Well, I'm not going to go spend money for that." So I started leveraging all these tools. It is insane how much technology there is. Like Calendly, who who like Calendly is the best thing on earth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there's so many amazing tools out there for productivity, and they all talk to each other. Loom. I don't know if you guys have used Loom before for sales. Like, what do you think about tools like Loom, where I can drop someone a 30 second video message? to say what's up, like talk about some of your favorite tools because there's so many good ones out there. Yeah, I think um, you're probably a little more um, plugged into all the tools than I am. Um, For me, what I've been most interested in is how to make sure to help people use the tools effectively. So anything related to video, video selling, I think is that is the next thing, right? So how do we create custom messages to get people's attention? And the technology is one thing. So Loom is great. And I think we can all, so that kind of tool I think is really wonderful. Actually, I just I was just um, building a class last week for video selling. And I find that most people who present are really crappy at it, really, really bad. They don't actually know how to talk about what it is that they do in a sentence or two. They, they ramble, they're not focused. Um, they seem a little nervous. And so, but video is really a wonderful tool. Plus you can edit yourself, which is great, right? So um, um, actually I think video selling is also just a great practice. And even now selling through, like a lot of my clients are just using Zoom to have meetings and pitches, right? But they're doing a much better job now of preparing for those and not just winging it. Because the handoffs are more awkward if you don't prepare. And And you have a lot less time. So I'm I have a guy putting the video together for me, and he was saying that two minutes is forever on video. Yeah. It's like 30 seconds at most, 20 seconds, and then you need to like keep things moving, right? So I think everyone is getting and needs to continue to get just better at tight, short, sweet, get to the point, make sure you're prepared, um, 
it's a really actually all of the things that people are improving are all the things that I've been teaching anyway, and they're just being more forced to focus on yeah. simplicity of message, compelling message, preparation, staying tight, being human. Um, so regardless of the tool, uh, for me, it's a really kind of glorious time where folks are working on that. And there's kind of nowhere to hide too. You just look really bad if you're stumbling around on a, on a zoom call and, and you're also just more exposed these days because more people are seeing you than just kind of uh, being in a boardroom. So, yeah, it's funny that, you know, like I'll get on, I, I actually make people get on video with me just who are selling me just on, on purpose to try to mm-hmm. feel them out. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and then, I, and then I offer the same. And what I notice sometimes is people won't come on video and I'm like, that's actually a trust. It's a trust marker to come on video when they won't do it. I'm like, why aren't you coming on video? And I say, do you mind turning your camera on? If I even have to ask, that's a negative, right? So it's funny though, the state, and, and I come from a pretty robust, you know, background of either running or building sales. And so it is funny to hear some of the things you're saying, which I think people took for granted in a more analog world. And now it's quick. You have to be on your toes and it's serving people well to have those skill sets. One of the things you said that early on that I want to go back to, and this is something where I'll use myself as an example. Right now, I wrote my book just came out. Um, I now am a, a fellow author, and uh, I bought your book by the way. It hasn't shown up, but it'll be here any moment. So congratulations! Oh, uh, thank, thank you, Tom. I can't wait till you read it. I love your feedback. Um, and if you love it, uh, anyone of you, if you love it, please give me a review because I'm trying to build my reviews. Um, but um, you know. I'm I'm considering what can I do with this content to turn it into something bigger. So I'm testing out these ideas. And one of the things I noticed is I'm super, I'm such an entrepreneur. I'm so unfocused. I'm like shiny object over here. I'm going to start a podcast. I'm start a live stream. I got my book. Uh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And my brother, who's a great salesperson, is the most focused person I know. His number one strength with Strength Finder is focus, actually. So what do you think, like when you look at entrepreneurs or sales organizations and this idea around people getting unfocused, how do you help them get more focused on the getting the first, getting those sales under their belt, getting, building that pipeline, staying focused on away from the shiny objects? Are there any things that you promote or ideas you, you can share? One of my um, assessments is a simple five question assessment. And I ask people to assess kind of where they struggle. And the first is that I am, um, systematic and consistent with my approach to uh, to sales and to new business development and consistency of effort, especially for folks that are um, either just naturally unfocused or also like in professional services that are seller doers. Um, consistency of effort is the hardest thing. So what happens is typically people will like sell, 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 sell. Then they get super busy kind of managing all the stuff that they just sold and then they stop selling and they kind of take a little break and then they realize, oh crap, there's nothing in my pipeline. And they freak out and then they like start scurrying around and like they sell, 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 and they stop. So for me, one of the core, there's actually were two key words kind of to the essence of a lot of my philosophy. And one is just, it's, it's really simple. It's consistency, but it's making commitments to things that you can do every day and every week um, that are sustainable. So I'm interested in sustainable change, not just like, so consistency. So just committing, we all overcommit. I'm going to make, 30 cold calls today. I'm going to send a thousand emails today. I'm going to reach out to 20 people in my network tomorrow. No, no, you're not. And if you are, you can't do that every day. Right. How about if you just do five? What if you just do one? What if you just do 10? So for me, it's about consistency, building habits, 
um, pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone. And it, it's really like consistency over a period of time, mm-hmm. doing the things that we might tend to avoid or that we're kind of just up and down about. One of the underarching principles, it's not sexy at all, but it's one of the most important things that I have found for folks that are particularly successful in sales. Yeah, it's interesting. So that 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 having building that habit muscle, right? Like That's getting right. people in the habit because I, I I love where you're going with this, which is, and I found this a lot with you know people kind of uh, they're you know Jack Daly, I'm sure, and Jack says you know people salespeople work will work as hard as they need to to satisfy their vices, right? Which is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of my favorite quotes, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and so, I can take. So if I know that I got a guy that's a you know a girl that's two hundred thousand dollars a year person, you know, I could cut the territory in half, and they'll figure out a way to hit their two hundred thousand. But mm-hmm. you know, but if I want them to get four hundred thousand, and all they need is two hundred thousand to live their life, there's no amount of leads I'm going to give them. There's nothing, no amount of assistance I'm going to give them that they're going to that's going to get them above that. And so his perspective was, you know, just start cutting their territory and handing, making sure you have other people to handle those leads. I like that this idea of how do you is building the habit muscle? Because I do think that in anything, whether it's diet, exercise, business, what are the habits that we're going to do to, to actually, you know, hit the goals we're trying to hit? Are you guys enjoying the show so far? Darius here. And by now you might know that I'm passionate about a few things, pizza, Pink Unicorns, Core Values, and Down Dirty Interesting Conversation with some amazing people. However, the biggest one that I've spent most of my career on is entrepreneurship and scale. You see, look, my first few years in business, I spent like probably a good five years of my life getting my freaking teeth kicked. I mean, really getting crushed. And I learned a lot during that time period. So I spent the greater part of the last couple of years helping entrepreneurs scale their businesses in a meaningful way without going through the same growing pains that I did. And what I realized is that CEOs and business leaders don't know if they can scale, and thus they do the right thing at the wrong times. This causes them to lose clarity, lose momentum, alignment, and the bottom line is you lose money. And look, you don't have to do that. It's why I created what I call the scalability assessment, and you can access it 100% for free. That's right, guys. There are perks to listening to The Greatness Machine. All you have to do is go to DariusScale.com, that's D-A-R-I-U-S, scale, S-C-A-L-E.com, and there you can check to see if your business is set up to scale properly. It's going to give you a scalability score at the end, and it's also going to give you some clarity on what you can do next. Once again, guys, that's www.itsdariusscale.com. Once again, guys, it's DariusScale.com. And now back to the show. How do you do? Uh, how do you do goals with 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 salespeople or teams? What are your thoughts around goal setting? Uh, I'm always looking for just red flags with goals. So so often um, uh, the goals are uh, way too lofty and potentially unachievable, or someone is totally sandbagging way under what they can achieve. <laughs> so for me, the goal needs to be just enough uncomfortable, just uncomfortable enough, and there needs to be a goal. And there needs to be a stretch goal. There always needs to be a stretch goal, um, especially for anyone who has any sort of kind of ego and sense of ambition. So goal, that's kind of where are you comfortable, plus 20%. And then what's the stretch goal? Like what's the like big, hairy potential, like holy crap, if we could get to there. So for me, it's a um, little uncomfortable um, goal and then stretch goal. And I like to keep goals super simple, um, achievable, 
and to build a plan around it. I I just like things simple. So I just find we overcomplicate stuff like that and um, keeping it simple, simple, achievable, but enough of a stretch. I also find kind of in the whole thing around goals and growth and building new habits, the person has to have a coach of some kind or an accountability partner. You can't build these new habits without a coach or an accountability partner. That could be a colleague, a friend, a coworker, a coach that you hire, a boss, um, but if we're going to keep growing and building new habits, we tend to not be able to do that on our own. Most of us, um, we need someone to be accountable to. Um, so having accountability built into that, but accountability that the person asks for and embraces and decides who they want to be accountable to, not some boss that's kind of like breathing down their neck. I don't actually find that works very well at all. That's just fear-based accountability. Yeah, I, I think with the thing with fear-based accountability is you can get very short-term results out of that if, if that's what you're looking for, but um, I, 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 like the ROI is super low because that, that right. person is either going to fall back to their lower standard and or quit. <laughs> so I, I, totally. I, I don't believe in that style of management. Um, now, if I need short-term results and that's how, then that's the only way I'm going to get it. Then, you know, sometimes, I mean, sometimes you do need that in a business, yeah. but, sure. but, uh, but even then fear, uh, people don't do well from fear-based management. Um, what, um, so when you look at big picture, you know, when you're looking at the environment right now, and your clients, like, what are you seeing? Like, how are, how are people doing? How are they performing now compared to maybe six months ago? What, what's, what's, what's like your view of the world right now? This is a really challenging time and is an amazing time for me because I have always tried to coach people to drop the professional persona and all the blah, blah and the smart talk and be a real freaking person. Like, sure, you're a professional and you know stuff and we have certain professional decorum, but like just be real and be human. And when you're actually more compelling, when you're real and when you're human. And right now, everyone is more real. They're selling from their homes. Their kids are running in and out. Um, they're having tough days. We're all like challenged in a number of ways. Everyone's more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So what I love about this moment is like you can sell from a place of vulnerability. You can negotiate an influence and lead with some vulnerability and some humanity. Now, we don't need to like fall apart, of course, in front of other people. We can fall apart on our own. But there's a certain level of humanity, humility. So I'm interested in people that want to learn and grow. Um, and if they're just like think they have all the answers, then they're not that open to some new ideas and new perspectives of kind of self-mastery and communication. And right now... Everyone's in some level of pain, almost everyone. Everyone's more open. Everyone's more vulnerable. Everyone's more humanized. It's a really wonderful time for me to teach a lot of what I do. And I think actually in the professional world of things, I'm actually finding just people are just better people now than they were a year ago um, in my experience. So I'm, I'm oddly in, engaged and excited despite the shit show that is so much happening in the world right now yeah shit show is an understatement of the year uh <laughs> guys uh what a great conversation we're having here you guys start watch parties you got to share this if you if you guys have are not sharing this with your network right now uh you are definitely taking up money out of their pocket because this is gold um so my friend tom um you know a lot of the stuff you're talking about from my position, and I don't know if you know this, but I went through a 52-week really, really intensive program called Stegen. Do you know that program? I don't. 
it's integral leadership and and it's and it's founded in the tenets of conscious capitalism okay. and, and it's a yeah. real it, it, yeah it, it, Rand was on the show Rand Stegan's the one of the founders and he was on the show on Monday and he's very tied into Whole Foods and John Mackey was the chairman of conscious capitalism and he built this academy about 20 years ago it's based out of Dallas and so a lot of the stuff you're talking about when I hear you what the words you're using the word that kind of bubbles up in my mind is this word awareness right mm-hmm. This word authenticity, and and so, and, and and there's there's a lot of thought leadership out there talking about what we talked about on the show with Rand was that that right now the world has level three problem, level five problems, and level three leaders. And when you start to look at this idea around mindset theory and and really like it's around consciousness, is around having a, a higher awareness of oneself and the world around them, and not just looking at things from my own lens, but maybe even looking at them from your lens or the lens of the person I don't know and trying to empathize with them. And so I know that you've done a lot of work on in your life and on yourself around having a higher awareness. What do you, how do you think like when you talk to people or if people want to have the, that, have that higher awareness of oneself and, or take that into the business place, what are some thought, what thoughts do you have around that? So for me, I don't actually care about sales per se. I really care about awareness and consciousness and growth for the individual, for the group, for the organization, and ultimately for humanity. So sales is kind of where I play because it's a really fun place that needs help and where I can meet people, business leaders and sales professionals both. Um, one of my operating models is starts with awareness. So it's more awareness and more discipline, but you can't have discipline unless you have awareness. If you have awareness, then you're at choice. More awareness and discipline of your thinking, of your language, so spoken and written, and then of your process, so of the ways in which you're engaging. So awareness and discipline of thinking language process. And you can actually run almost every situation, sales or not, through that. Kind of what's the mindset, how and what am I communicating, written or, or verbal, and then what is my process for how I'm engaging? And, and, and am I engaging from a position of equality um, or from a position of one up or one down? So one of my models is just simple, like just two Vs. So are we coming from a place that V is value, that my value is the same as yours, um, or am I feeling kind of one down because I need your money and I want to, I need your business, or am I feeling kind of a little like puffed up and kind of, so I'm, I feel like I'm one up, which is all ego. Actually, they're both kind of ego in a different way. And kind of finding ways to be equals and just be more conscious, my thoughts, my words, and my actions. And it's such a simple model, and I can apply it in about a hundred different kind of very detailed ways just to help people be more aware. People are just walking around thinking stuff and saying stuff and doing stuff and kind of habitually not even aware of it. And um, so a lot of this is actually... There's a lot of psychology um, behind um, my approach. I'm actually have a background in counseling psychology and marriage and family therapy and expressive arts therapy, but then I blend it into entrepreneurship and sales and training and coaching. So, I love that, man. And and going back to uh, Rand has a statement: with awareness comes choice. Maybe he stole that from somebody else, but maybe that's Buddha. I mean, I mean that's the a Buddha statement. Um, and it it sounds like like. I love what you said that I don't really care about sales and, and, and then, and then, but then, but it's around creating value and doing it in this like very hyper aware way where, where value is being created on both sides. And and I always, what, what, one of the things I, I talk about 
in business that when I'm actually when I'm looking at a business because I I, I do actually love looking at businesses and kind of dissecting yeah. their abilities. And one of the things that I will tell tell people when I'm either mentoring or whether I'm just you know casually having a conversation about a, a, an idea in business is I say, well, is there scale in the sale? And mm-hmm. and and some people, are, well, what do you mean by that? And I, I say, well, is there scale in the sale? Am I am I able? Am I going to be fighting and clawing and kicking and screaming to get someone to actually want to do it because the perception of value is not there, or there's fear, or it's, the product's too complicated, um, or can I get a rather average salesperson to do fairly well with the product? Mm-hmm. And I like the, I like the latter, by the way. I want where mm-hmm. a pretty mediocre person with a good work ethic can make a very nice living because there's what I call scale and sale. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that type of ideology or how do you apply that in your business? Well, I'm all about finding ways to, um, to create scalability in sales organizations in particular. And a lot of that is, is really <laughs> most sales organizations hire a bunch of people, have a few steps on a piece of paper, some sort of crappy value proposition, and then just say, hey, just go do your thing. So um, oftentimes there just isn't an effective uh, and efficient sales process. So really making sure that there is a process um, <clears throat> and that we're also hiring and developing and coaching people. It's just, there's so there's so much kind of low hanging fruit and opportunity in building a scalable sales organization. Um, a lot of it is coaching and developing people and bringing on people that really want to learn and grow, even if they've been selling for 40 years, um, building a particular culture, a growth culture. For me, a growth culture doesn't just mean we're, we're, we're hitting our numbers and we're growing fast. It's actually that we're all learning and growing together. So as a part of sales and negotiation, we all screw stuff up. We have good calls and bad calls and good days and bad days. So how do we do a better job of all improving and getting better? And how can we do a better job of having our sales process that's also competing with the buyer's process. So I have a whole model called their process and your process. Their process for buying is designed to lie to you, withhold information, have you give them a whole bunch of free stuff, um, tease you, and then eventually probably just go away and leave you hanging and you wonder what the heck just happened. So what is our process? Where from a place of equality, we can negotiate um, without all the games and all the BS, but we have to be really anchored into our process. Otherwise we just defer to theirs. They say, hey, fill out this RFP. And we're like, Okay, well, wait a minute. Before we do that RFP and spend 20 hours, do we have a few questions we need to ask? Do we have someone we need to actually have a meeting with or a conversation before we decide to invest our time and energy? But we have to have that anchored into our process, our philosophy, our growth culture, and just being a lot more thoughtful about what we're creating and building as opposed to kind of the, the typical approach. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I never had... Um much experience on the RFP side until my business, we got into um, subservicing and we got in and then we had an actual advertising agency that we spun out of our business and where they were doing legitimate RFPs for like the country of like, we did it for a a country in in Europe for their tourism (laughs) department. And it was like, uh, I I sort of got the, the, my group that was running that they spent three months of their time trying Mm -hmm. to fly overseas. I probably spent, Tens of thousands of dollars minimum, just on the not even on the flights and stuff like that, just on the the work. Yep, nothing happened, <laughs> you know. And we and we had we had some large tech companies that came into us to have us service their portfolio months and months and months and decks and this and that and the other and flying people in and RFP this and RFP that and RF. Uh, there's all these different RFs. There's, uh, there's I didn't know that there were so many RFs. You know, there's the RFA and the RFP, and I'm like, what the 
fuck is all this stuff? And it's like, you're really a slave to that process. And then they go, oh, we're going to, we're waiting six months. So I'm like, you just had to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars of our time for you to like take, take, because we were dying for your business. And to your point, the, the, that V was, you know, was very lopsided, right. right? So uh, it, people will waste your time. And I think that there's an underestimation in, in sales and in business around how people will devalue your time. And, and, and on top of that, how much, where, where's the real cost in business? And what I found, and this is after running, you know, you know, we're talking like probably over my career, over a billion dollars in revenue at this point. Um, and like a legit billion, not like, uh, I'm passing through someone else's revenue into my revenue, um, was like, dude, the most expensive th- thing you have in your business is your people's time. Like by far and away, that's the most expensive. And and people sit there and look at all this other bullshit, try to cut expenses. I'm like, you, you're underutilizing their time by not maximizing their productivity, and the and or you're wasting it doing shit that's not valuable to the business or it's long shot stuff. What are your thoughts on that? At the core, uh, so I see that every day. What's intriguing to me about it at the core core level is that there's it actually taps into humans own sense of their own value so um, if we're used to giving ourselves away in our lives and we don't have a real sense of our value in general as humans um, when it comes to business we'll do that too we'll give ourselves away Um, and so i don't want to overcorrect and get all puffy around like how important i am and how valuable my time is but i just find most people don't even stop for a minute to really think about like, is this really worth my time? Is this the, is this where I want to spend my time? How valuable is my time? Um, how much more do I want to get jerked around, lied to and waste my time and get surprised chasing after opportunities that don't materialize? And instead of being pissed at someone else who didn't buy it for me, why don't I look in the mirror and see kind of what I missed and where I gave myself away and where I got lied to? So one of my core outages is all about truth. And to get the truth, you have to create an environment for truth. And so I want to know really like what is the real opportunity here, right? So the reason to get on the airplane and to not even ask the question is because we actually don't even want to qualify the opportunity and be a little bit skeptical about it because we're so excited because we have nothing else going on to just like that we're just going to trust this is going to work out. Um, But we forget to be a little more skeptical, appropriately strategically skeptical, and to ask a question to get the truth about what's really going on here and not make assumptions. So all of the stuff that I teach is around how to ask questions that are designed to get the truth, to make sure that we're clear about what the opportunity really is. And then we can make a decision about how much time and energy we spend. It's Uh, like slowing that down yeah, and making sure we get the truth and making sure we're not getting lied to and kind of let on. And by the way, this works great for dating as well as um, for sales. Yeah, so, I'm like, are we still talking about sales here? Um, <laughs> it's the reality. You know, such a great, such a great, great universal truth is people say yes because they're desperate. To your point, to like be busy and desperate to be like on the quest or desperate for hope. Hope's a powerful tool, man. It's a drug. It's a drug. There's a book called Hope is Not a Strategy. It's one of my adages. And so whenever someone says to me like, "Well, I'm really hoping that da 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 da." In life, I'm a hopeful person, but in sales, hope is a is a just a it's a death knell. It's never a good kind of um, way to be approaching an opportunity. 
Yeah, hope is not a strategy. I love that. That's uh, my my business partner is nice to say that all the time. It's it's funny though because if you are hopeless, and I give you a nice little shot of hope in your arm, you will feel good. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so it is one of the it is a deceptive little drug though. Because That's right. To your point: if you don't do the homework, what ends up happening right. is I have what's called false hope, right? And then that's right. I might get a deeper desperation around failure after that. That's right. And this is where it really helps to have a group and a team who are who are working on this together because all of us have good days and bad days where we're kind of a little bit delusional um, about an opportunity and extra hopeful. So we need colleagues or, or or business partners that can like really challenge us around it and call us out on it. Because um, hopefully, if there's a group of five or five hundred of us, somebody's a little more sane, even if someone else is a little kind of extra excited about an opportunity. And by the way, people say to me like, "Well, I I need to get excited. I need to get my team excited. Like, we want to be fired up about the opportunity. That's cool. I, I get the desire. Sales is hard. Negotiations hard. Life is hard these days. It's cool to be excited. All good. But I also want to be really careful about any ways in which our excitement has us skip steps, not ask questions, make assumptions, and just not be diligent about what we're getting ourselves into and making sure that we're really using our, our time and energy most wisely. Wow, man. You're just dropping like diamonds from the air right now. This is so valuable. And and I, it's like, I, I'm so pumped up right now by having this conversation because I do think that people, um, to your point, that there's this idea around wanting to win. And and when you just made the example of people, well, I want to get my team excited. And and I kind of go a different direction with that, which is, yeah, and sales, great, set set a goal. And, and but I like the, you know, using the smart goal thing, which is asked to be realistic that it's going to happen and, you know, using that whole framework. But um, one of the things that I found that people like, and you kind of brought it up earlier, which especially if there's failure, if you're not winning, like if, if the wind's in your face and not at your back, it's kind of like, I don't want to set the, hey, I'm setting a goal that's 25% below where we were a year ago. That's kind of a demoralizing goal, right? So, right. so it's like, it just kind of sucks to set that goal. Even. It's like, oh man, am I like now setting the bar low and what's that going to mean? And that's kind of, that sucks, right? So my first question is, how do you deal with that? My second question though, is that, I like this idea of setting goals around accountability, right? And mm-hmm. that's the goal. That's kind of the direction I've gone in when I when I can't control. I don't want to set the shit goal. So mm-hmm. I want to look at the leading indicators for growth and say, well, I will set, I'll go set goals around behavior that will lead to a better outcome. What are your thoughts around yeah. when you are faced with that? Oh, we're going to be 20% below target. I don't want to make that the number because now that becomes, you know how it goes, man. Once you hit it, the number, it becomes the number, right? So I don't want right. to do that. What are your thoughts right. around that? Wow. Um, first of all, I agree with your second point around kind of um, leading indicators and accountability for those. For me, those are the most important. I uh, Whether the goal is high or low, um, exciting or depressing, for me, the most important thing is that the team or the individual buys into the goal and is a part of the process of setting the goal. And that as a part of like, there's there are goals that are numbers, right? I'm going to make this I'm going to reach these particular numbers. And then there's goals that are that are tangible and tangibles, right? I'm going to work on doing a better job of in sales calls, knowing how and when to shut up and hold silence or ask better questions or do a better job of ending, ending on time or getting more precise with how I talk about what it is that I do. I'm going to do a better job this year 
of making sure that I'm managing my energy and attention and taking some time off or taking care of my body. Um, I also just like all the goals that are supporting the number goals. Um, that's the place where even if the number goal is lower or not, it's like, how are we going to get better? Even if the business goals this year are are down and are a little bit depressing, how are we getting better? Like, how? Are, what, what are you going to do to get better in these particular areas? I particularly also like to blend the personal and the professional um, when possible. So for me, it's all about how are we going to get better? And if the goal num- if the number goal is depressing for this year or next, then is there a more aspirational goal three or five years from now that we can get psyched about? Hey, this is going to be a rough year, but here's what we're going to do. But listen, if we do this, this, and this, it is all going to kind of eventually come together and we're all going to be okay. And then three years from now, we need to be here. Yeah. So making sure that there's some sort of aspirational goal, even if this moment, because we get kind of myopic about the next three months or you know 15 months, but like what's three years from now and five years from now? And that could still get exciting because eventually life will get back to normal-ish. Yeah, and that's it's a really smart way because yeah, I can't set. My goal is going to suck for 2020, call it, or even 21, but I have to position myself for 2023. And in order to do that, there's these things we got to do. And so the goal is really a 2023 goal of this like great goal. But here's where we got to be by the end of 2020. Yeah, I know that's not where we want to be, but we got to be there so we can be there three years later, right? That's right. That's, oh, that's so smart. My gosh, dude, this was like, so pumped right now. You just got me so excited. How do we have a business to do sales in and I'm pumped? <laughs> oh, man. Well, any closing thoughts, like anything you want to leave the group with, uh, where can we find you? All that good stuff. Uh, best place to find me primarily from a business standpoint is on LinkedIn. So uh, Tom Batchelder um, or Selling 180. Uh, my website, selling180.com. Um, you can buy the book, Selling 180 on Amazon. That's the easiest way to get the book. Um, that's kind of it. That's where to find me. I uh, I really appreciate the the engaged dialogue and conversation, Darius. I appreciate the ways in which you kind of get and appreciate my approach to life and to sales. So um, thanks for valuing me and uh, congrats again on your book. I'd, I'm looking forward to reading it. And if nothing else, even if the book isn't any good, the cover is killer and the colors are killer. So if nothing else, you're going to move books that way. Plus, you know, you're a badass. So. Thank you, man. I'm trying. I'm trying to do both. Um, would you mind staying on after the, the for just a couple? No problem. Minutes? Yeah, yeah, sure. Start the show that way, guys. Uh, what a what a great way to end the week. My gosh, I was like, I didn't know where this conversation was going to go, and I actually tend to not do the business centric uh, uh, guests, but I knew Tom is Tom's a conscious dude, man. And you you have like you have some really cool stuff going on, and I and I knew that this was going to be. Uh, this was going to be a great, great call, but uh, a great show. And, and and you lived, you blew my mind, man. And I was, and I had high expectations. Um, so thank you so much, dude. So much, so much gratitude. Um, guys, we have, uh, we have, uh, this is the end of the week. I can't believe it. I'm so used to doing so many shows, but yeah, we're done for the week. Uh, we got a couple of shows coming up next week. So stay tuned. Uh, follow us at the real Darius M on Facebook. We get updates on the show and subscribe at uh, www.therealdarius.com. You get updates and don't forget my book's out. So be like Tom, buy my book. And if you like it, besides the cover, if you like what's in the cover in the pages, please give me a review on online. I'd appreciate that. Uh, trying to get as many reviews as possible. And with that guys, uh, have a great Friday, have a great weekend, and we will have more greatness next week. Thank you guys so much. Peace. We're out of here. Ha-ha.
you are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Guys, The Greatness Machine is all about two things. People who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world, and we feature these messages and speakers so it can help you step into your greatness within your own life and your own business. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you're tuning in from, and leave us a review. We love getting reviews for the show. If the episode made you think of someone who is leveling up in their business and life, print screen it, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to learn from one another. You can also go to our website, www.thegreatnessmachine.com. That's www.thegreatnessmachine.com. And on there, you'll see special tools to help you scale your business faster, show notes for the episode to help you integrate the lessons and You will also get links that came out during the show. So on there, look, you can also grab a copy of my book, The Core Value Equation, which is a resource for helping CEOs and business leaders establish core values from their teams that don't suck. And mind you, a lot of them suck. Get access to this and more at www.thegreatnessmachine.com. With that said, you guys, look, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We out of here. See you guys next time. Uh She's my lover. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.